Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout this series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. Let's begin with a prayer. Lord, I ask that what you say is what you have called me to say. And I ask that you open the ears and the hearts of everyone listening to hear the message that you have for them. Amen. Now, with any talk, with any presentation, we should ask God what he once said, and and I do that. But all the things I thought I needed to say or needed to do or needed to pray really didn't matter. What had God called me to do? What had God called me to say? What could I possibly say or do on my own? Did I really have the gifts that allow me to speak for the Lord in any kind of teaching, in any kind of sharing? Was I really worthy of doing that? Do I pray enough? Am I holy enough? Well, my friends, my ability or worthiness or lack thereof is not the defining factor. References to the lack of all the aforementioned are plentiful through Scripture. Now, the Lord gave me several examples as I was thinking on this, and I'd like to share those with you today. The first one is Abraham. Now, Abraham took off at the word of God. He trusted that God's word would come to pass about the mighty nation from his line. He even went so far as to be willing to sacrifice his son. But when it came to Sodom and Gomorrah, he bargains with God to save those he cares about. Tells us in Genesis 18, he says, Lord, if there are 50 good people, Lord, if there are just 10 good people, am I persistent in prayer? In my Bible, near this verse, I had written, Because of Christian perseverance, God has mercy on the earth. We humble ourselves, we pray, we seek God, we turn from our wicked ways, and we trust in God. Another example the Lord brought me to was Moses. My man Moses, the one who led the Israelites out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. Now Moses is removed from his privileged life because he murdered someone and ran to avoid punishment. He was a man in hiding. Then he sees this burning bush, and he goes because he's curious. It tells us this in Exodus chapter 3. And as he approaches, God speaks, You'll lead my people out of Egypt. And how does Moses respond? Who am I that I should do this? Then after God explains that he will be with Moses, Moses still balks. They won't believe me. God fixes this as well. Moses still tries to wiggle out. I'm not a good speaker. 
The Lord says, I will assist you in speaking and tell you what to say. Now, does Moses say, sure, Lord, I'll be happy to do that for you? No. He says, please, Lord, send somebody else. Finally, Moses agrees. How much arguing do I do when asked by God to do something that I feel I am incapable of doing? Rahab is, her story is told in the Joshua chapter 2. According to some translation, she was an innkeeper or a harlot and an assistant to the Jewish spies sent by Joshua. She's one of five women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew. She is not Jewish. She helps Joshua's men and asks in return that her family be shared when the Jews, with their mighty God going before them, invade the area. The spies agree. Let's look at Rahab. We aren't sure why she assisted the Jews. Maybe because they treated her with a respect that her own people did not. Maybe because she knew how it felt to be looked down upon. Maybe because she saw a way to save her family during the battle. These are not exactly really stellar reasons to include her here. She was not a person of influence. She was not a person of outstanding moral character. She was not a leader in the community. She was not a person known for her wisdom and discernment. But that's exactly why she is included. God took the least likely and used her to save the victory. She had mercy on the spies. She saved them. And in doing so, Joshua was able to win the victory. Just an FYI, she weds Salmon, and they have Boaz, who marries Ruth. Jonah, who is another unwilling speaker for God. The Lord says, go. Jonah says, no, and tries to run away from what he's been called to do. The Lord says, no way, Jonah. Jonah says, okay. He goes and preaches, and Nivea repents. But then Jonah throws a small temper fit because God didn't punish the people. What business is it of Jonah's or mine, for that matter, how God chooses to act. God simply calls me to do my part. When it came to the anointing of David, Samuel kind of shook his head at God's choice. This one? Seriously, Lord, this one's a kid. Now, not as man sees. I need to remember that what I see in me or don't see in me does not mean that God does not see it or will not bring it forth in me. After the anointing, David is fearless, and he is victorious in the battle against Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17, 47, it says, The battle is the Lord's, and he will deliver you into our hands. The same holds true for us today. Now David, who was a man after God's own heart, was one of God's favorites. But even David messed up. He committed adultery. He arranged for someone to be killed in battle. Not exactly top-of-the-line personal attributes for a favorite of God. But David repents. He 
He takes responsibility. He acknowledges his error. Does God wipe him off the face of the earth? No. God holds true to making David's kingdom last forever. Do I repent? Do I take responsibility? Do I acknowledge my errors? Not God's, but mine. Mary Magdalene tells us in scriptures that she's delivered from seven demons. Please notice the number. Now that's quite a resume for disaster. Afterwards, however, she follows Jesus throughout his ministry. She is, as some believe, the woman who washes Jesus' feet with her tears at the dinner for Lazarus and John. She was at the foot of the cross. She watched Jesus die and saw him buried. She was the one whom Jesus appeared to after his resurrection and sent her to tell the others. From a seven-demon woman to a messenger for Jesus, a woman carrying possibly the most important news ever to the apostles, quite a transformation from one who possibly cursed God to one who announces his resurrection. Was she capable? Was she worthy? Probably not in her own eyes or even maybe the eyes of those around her. Did she say yes to Jesus? She did, and way before the resurrection. If you would picture the scene with me on Easter morning, Mary's crying, heartbroken that someone has stolen Jesus' body. She hears a voice asking her why she's crying. Just tell me where you moved him. Then the Lord says her name, Mary. She recognizes Jesus. She grabs him, not ever wanting to let him go again. I can just hear Jesus. Look, you have to let me go so I can go to my father. I need you to go tell the others. And Mary said, I can hear. Oh, the others, they need to know. But Lord, don't leave. But you've asked me to go tell the others. Okay, okay, I'm going. I can't think about Samuel. Lord, he's just a kid. Without Ananias coming to mind. Really, Lord? Do you know what Saul's been doing to your people? Not as man sees, but as God sees and wills. I know... (laughs) Each of us have their own Ananias somewhere going to the Lord. Lord, really? Her? Then we have Peter. Good old Peter. If we ever have reason to hope, it is because of Peter. In one breath, he says, you are the Christ. In another, he's saying, oh, no, not that. In one breath, he asks Jesus to call him to walk on water. And in the next, realizing he's doing it, takes his eyes off Jesus, falters, and Jesus saves him as he sinks. In one moment, he swears he will die with Jesus. And with several, within several hours, he's denied him three times. He says he will never leave. And yet, at the foot of the cross, Peter is nowhere to be found. This same Peter who after the resurrection 
leaves the upper room with a simple, I'm going fishing, yet recognizes the Lord with the catch. I have to believe that it was Peter, under the guidance and influence of the Blessed Mother, who encouraged the apostles as they waited for the promise of the Father. It is Peter, the fisherman, the one who seemingly flip-flops just like his fish in what he says he will do, the one who denies and runs, the one who deeply repents of his actions, the one who, after Pentecost, when filled with the Holy Spirit, could not and would not be silenced as he spoke of Jesus crucified and risen. This one, this one is our greatest hope for the unconditional love of God, for it is Peter that Jesus chooses to lead the church. As I look at just these few, and the examples in Scripture are many, it's the weaknesses that God wanted, not the strength, not the wisdom, not the boldness, not the courage. God provides all of that. He wanted the weaknesses so that they and we and I would know that it is God acting and not me, that it is God having his way and not me having mine, that it is not through anything I could say or do, but only what God says and does through me. And yet, don't we think that God can't use me because of this reason or that reason or that I don't have this gift or that gift, so God can't use me in this situation. When we, when I, turn to Jesus with a yes and not a yes but, God can do mighty things. There's no class to take, no prerequisites for the job. He calls to each of us, asking for a simple yes and then trusting that he will do the rest. God simply asks us to be the one, no matter who we are or how we see ourselves, we are asked to be the one. We are asked to be the one in every circumstance that we are put in by our God to live out what he calls us to be, to do what he calls us to do, and to say what he calls us to say, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it seems a little crazy, even if it seems like that can't happen, even if it seemingly goes against the laws of nature, we are called by God to be the one who responds with faith, who responds with hope, and who responds with love. God uses our weaknesses, those things we can't do, those things we shouldn't be able to do, those things that are beyond our ability. This is when God comes in and says, I've got this. I just need you to say yes. Even in those moments of our sinfulness, when we ask for forgiveness, God holds us up as beacons of light and hope. If God can forgive me this sin, then surely he can forgive you. It's not always a matter of doing something, 
Sometimes it's the matter of being the example that God can love you through every situation. God can love you in spite of the situation. That God can love and use you despite the situation. It's a matter of our yes to God's request. We always have the option of saying, I really don't want to do that, Lord. And it doesn't take much to turn us from one willing to do whatever God asked to a stiff-necked, hard-hearted person who turns their back. We have to remember to come back, not to walk away and stay away. We are called to remember that all power on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, and he has called us to go and make disciples of all nations, and to always remember that he is with us, even until the end of time. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I am called to realize that I'm not, and God is. I am called to be the one who just feels useless and unfruitful, because then God can use me to be the one that he needs and produce fruit through me, using me, not through my efforts, but all through God's actions. He calls me. He asks if I'm willing to be the one. He asks you as well. Are you willing to be the one? Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.